All right, Nick and Amir, welcome to the Biotech and Breweries podcast. Thanks a bunch for making time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Super excited. Absolutely. Excited to be here. So, Amir, I'm really excited to hear what you've been up to and what you've got going on at Nucleate and other things you're working on. But before we do that, we're here at Harlan Brewing. We've got Nick Moran, who's one of the head brewers here, correct? Uh, Director of Brewery Operations. Great. We'd love to hear a little bit about Harlan, and then you've also poured some beer for us, so we'd love to hear what you've poured for us as well. Yeah, I mean... Let's dig. Let's dig into the beer first, and we'll talk about Harlan a little bit. You know, beer's not going to get any any colder here. So uh, right now, uh, you and I are drinking the Nelson Nelson. So it's our single hop West Coast Nelson IPA, uh, and then Amir's got the Rumbler Pale Ale. So kind of a, a new staple beer in our lineup. It's it's meant to be like you know hop forward with a lot of hop character, but not incredibly bitter. And it's dry and it's a crusher. You know, we're in beautiful San Diego, so there's you know you need to be able to drink beer year round and and drink a couple of them so that's kind of the, nice. the idea behind it but yeah i mean it features nelson as well so kind of all three beers are featuring the nelson hop which i mean it's a favorite for sure definitely one of my favorites but it's just uh you know got a lot of this this nelson that we use has a lot of kind of that the best way to describe it is kind of weird but it's it's like a diesel-y character to it hmm. and it, and it's funny because we changed to this nelson recently with our supplier and it's just when they harvest it the harvest timing is changes it and the the different uh, thiol production is different throughout all of the, you know, how long it stays before harvest. So they, they, uh, you know, told we told them what we're looking for, and they said, all right, let's let's do late harvest for this one. So it's you know, kind of how we get that character, but it's it's definitely a favorite, that's for sure. Okay, so you use a term, and maybe it's not a technical term, but it's one that I've heard before. And that term is crusher, right? That is that is the technical term. I'm of the of the mindset that I think you need to be able to drink more than one beer. I, I'm personally, when I have a beer and I design a beer, well, work with my team that designs the beers. I, I usually like to think that like we're gonna make these beers so that you want to have at least two, minimum. Yeah. You know, ideally. I like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if we can keep you here hanging out and drinking beer, that's you know, it's good time for everybody. So that's kind of what we like to do. Here. I saw you guys <laughs> open the South Park new spot. It looks really sweet. We did. It's it's exciting. So I mean, all right, it's a good time. We'll, we'll kind of talk about Harlan a little bit. So we're actually at, we're actually at our first tasting room. So we opened this tasting room uh, at Wampaseo in Del Mar in July of 2019. I want to say maybe August, but we started brewing in June of 2019. And didn't open the brewery until the brewery tasting room until November. So it was funny because we opened, we started brewing in Scripps Ranch, and then we opened this taste room, and then we started the taste room down there at Scripps. So not too long after you guys opened, uh, COVID kicked in, and I'm sure that that caused a, like a tricky time period for you guys. I mean, I think it's not a secret that people were drinking during COVID, so it wasn't necessarily a, a, a bad thing for us. But you know, it, it definitely made us go through all of our ideas you know it was like we had a, a year of releases planned out and the schedule of what we wanted to do and and then it was like well no nobody's drinking inside anymore so just start doing can release after can release and we kind of just tried to you know push out as much as we could so it was, it was i don't know it's crazy we grew every month during COVID. so i mean it's almost like we've been in a, in a more months in a COVID world than in a non-covid world so it's it's strange but you know our growth has been pretty good yeah I, you guys i follow you really closely and I think you guys are known for coming up some some really creative beer. You guys do a great job. Also, do some really unique stuff. And it seems like you're definitely not a try, not afraid to try new things. And I think you mentioned the can release. Um, is the can format the one that you typically use? Yeah, I mean, I think that for the most part, like, it's funny. We we don't like necessarily try to be creative. It's more that like 
we're just very open to inspiration is kind of the way I think about it. It's like if we eat something cool or, you know, I don't know, or experience a new flavor in a cocktail or whatever, it's like, okay, let's, how can we recreate this in a beer? Or this would be really cool as a beer. So how can we do that? You know, how can we achieve that? What processes, what ingredients, what, what do we need to do to do it? And can releases are just the best way because I mean, people, you know, want to be able to have one the day of, but they also want to be able to have them, you know, for a week or so. So if you have four cans, then you can, you know, have one every other day and, and be good to go and take it home with you. And it, you know, it's a marketing piece. It has branding on it. It looks cool. So you guys definitely knock it out of the park with branding too, for sure. We appreciate that. We've been, we've been pretty fortunate with all the designers we've worked with that we're, we're, we have some pretty cool, clean branding. And so definitely helps. That's for sure. So what are some of the new releases that are coming up or what's, what's next for you guys? That's kind of unique or fun. Yeah. I mean, so Talking about South Park, we yeah. just uh, we just opened the restaurant in South Park, so that's uh, been a project that's been over a year in the making. It's no secret that construction is tough in in a big city like San Diego, and the city is slow. So we you know we got we got through it, and and we're we're open now, which was exciting. We're, we're in a historic building, which added yeah, another hurdle. Prime, prime building. I mean, it's so cool. It's I mean, so we cool. it was such a like a, kind of an honor to move into that part of town, and and it's such a a beer centric area and great restaurants and and you know so we're, we're very happy to be a part of that neighborhood we don't yet have the license as of today october 11th but we will that's like a piece that is just a you know with with any large moving piece kind of set up like we have it's there's things that take a while and so the the license for alcohol hasn't been approved yet but we're open for coffee and, and breakfast and lunch and that so that's been like one of the biggest projects that we've been working on and so you know i think that's like probably the most exciting thing that's coming out. As far as beer, I mean, we do have a, we have a new beer that we're coming out with today. It's a collaboration with uh, Chris Trott, who's a, a director of global sports marketing for TaylorMade up in Carlsbad. And uh, so it's kind of a, a beer, another crusher that we designed to be, you know, on the golf course, off the golf course, whatever. So that, that beer came out today. Know Your Onions is what it's called. He's a British guy. So that's the a phrase for somebody who knows knows what they're talking about. They know their onions. <laughs> so I think I saw that in the cooler when I walked in. I was confused by the name, but decided that I didn't even want to ask. And I wanted to wait until we got on the <laughs> podcast so I could get the answer for yeah. everybody. Um, but so that's what it is. It's it's a British thing, and they say know your onions, and that means that you know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like so like someone who you know has been doing it for a while or knows a lot of stuff. That guy's an onion master. Well, Nick. Before we jump into a biotech uh, conversation here, is there anything else about Harland that you think uh, our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, throughout all of Southern California. Yeah, so uh, our, our sister company, we just, uh, we just Scout Distribution, we just uh, acquired Classic Distributing up in LA. So we're, we've already been in LA, but now we're acquiring their whole footprint as well. So we're getting into a lot more accounts. We're opening the Inland Empire uh, all the way up to Ventura. So, I mean, we're going to have you know a, a pretty pretty strong presence in all of Southern California, which is definitely exciting. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a slow kind of organic growth process, just trying to, you know, do as much as we can, as close as we can. So, you know, it's always, the goal is always to stay as much, San Diego needs to be our number one market, right? It's our home market. We need to be doing the very best we can here. So we, we put a lot of focus on making sure we're everywhere around town, as well as our own locations. You know, we have this one in Del Mar. We have the brewery, tasting room in Scripps Ranch. We have the restaurant in South Park. And then we have a small tasting room over in Bay Park, right off Morena. So that's that's one of our favorites. I mean, it's small, but it's just, it's such a, a nice vibe. Well, Nick, this has been awesome. Thanks again for making time for us and telling us about Harland and thanks for the beer. Uh, we're going to jump into the life science conversation now, but really appreciate you making time for us. Thanks so Absolutely. much. Cheers, guys. 
All right, so Amir, I'm really excited to catch up with you. We've known each other for a while, and I know you've got a lot going on. You know, you're you're incredibly busy, it seems, but you know, you're really you're, you're young, so it's okay to be that busy. You, you can still kind of pull it off. Um, but before we jump into what you're doing today, maybe we could kind of start with your background and give have you give us a rundown of what made you decide to get into the life science world. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I know I'm not a, a founder or a seasoned executive, but it's great to be here and have loved the episodes prior to this and good reason to sneak out of lab and drink beer. But yeah, I mean, growing up, I, I'm from San Diego originally, and uh, my parents don't have kind of a biomedical science background, but my mom studied computer science. Uh, my dad was in business, but they always really encouraged math and science. Um, and so I feel like early on that was so pivotal for me because... I think it's pretty easy for students to get labeled early on as like, oh, you know, they like they like biology or physics and or no, they, they, they like reading and art kind of thing. So having that encouragement was really impactful. Um, but really, I remember this moment so vividly. Uh, it was my senior year uh, biology class and it was April 2013 and uh, it was a neuroscience class, and we were live streaming uh, President then President Obama announcing the Brain Initiative, which was this kind of new, uh, you know, public-private partnership to help really catalyze neuroscience research. And it was then that I decided, like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna major in neurobiology. Um, it just seemed like if if someone that high up is caring about, you know, neuroscience and what neurons are doing and how we need to map them to improve human health, then it's something I should care about. Um, so that's what I ended up majoring in. And I've kind of since pivoted away from neurobiology, but um, obviously still kind of within the biomedical space. And so what are you doing now? Where did the pivot take you? Yeah, so my first lab experience was working in an immunology lab and trying to understand how do immune cells constantly survey all parts of your body 24-7? How do they know where to go at the right time, at the right place? Uh, and so I've since kind of come back full circle and have pursued immunology for my PhD at UCSD. So I'm in the biological sciences program there. Okay, okay that's great. And I know from previous conversations with you that you've got some exciting things that you're working on personally. Um, and then you've also got Nucleate that you're spending some time on. So I'd love to hear about as much of that as you can talk about. Definitely, yeah, I can, I can start with the first one. Uh, our lab... So I'm in Dr. Ananda Goldrath's lab, and she's been at UCSD since 2004. And the primary focus of her work is understanding how the immune system remembers things. So people focus a lot on B cells and how they make antibodies, and that's the basis of kind of modern vaccines. Uh, but T cells are this other half of the adaptive immune system. They're a bit more mysterious uh, and a bit more complicated. Uh, and so we're trying to kind of untangle the rules of how T cell memory is formed. And the reason why we care about this, not just from a vaccine perspective, uh, is also because the revolution in immunotherapy in cancer. We now know that the immune system can be used to treat cancer. The immune system can recognize cancer cells and kill it, even though it's your own body. And so leveraging those insights from studying T cell memory in an infection context, and then using that to engineer T cells to fight cancer for CAR T cell therapy or developing new immuno-oncology drugs. So that's kind of the framework that my lab operates in. So you, you've mentioned UCSD a couple times, and in past episodes, uh, the universities come up as well. There's obviously because it's, there's obviously a, a large connection to the life science community, you know, in San Diego here. 
And there's a lot of people coming out of that school that are doing really exciting things in the life science space. So what what is the ecosystem in the, with the life science ecosystem, I should say, at UCSD like? Yeah, so I'd say kind of at its in its broadest form, biomedical research is it's just an incredible ecosystem because uh, not only do you have UCSD, which you know has really well developed departments with great research history uh, and funding track records, but you also have these institutions dotted around the Mesa. You have Scripps, you have Salk, you have Loya Institute of Immunology, you have Sanford Burnham, um, and so it's just so easy to kind of find new collaborators or to think come up with new ideas to have you know working groups that you know move across these boundaries of departments more specifically immunology san diego's really really strong Uh, in fact it actually has a very strong focus on t-cells so it's nice for us because there's lots of expertise lots of companies developing you know next generation tools are interested in having scientists in san diego pilot them Uh, and so it's it's just a great environment as a grad student where your primary goal is just to train and just to learn how how all this is done so it has a student and this not just for yourself but for your peers um, knowing that there's hundreds of life science companies here in San Diego, uh, plenty of job opportunities, when you're coming out of UCSD, do you kind of have the feeling that you're in the right place from a job opportunity perspective? Um, does it seem like that's the general consensus? Yeah, I think so. I think there's just the you know, the ecosystem as a source of inspiration for your work, but then also the practicalities of like, no, you know, large pharmaceutical companies want to be here because there's a talent pool. Biotech startups want to be here because there's lots of venture funding in the area. Uh, And so, yeah, I think I knew some of those things growing up because I could see that there was so much happening with UCSD hospital system and several of these institutions, just knowing how deep the history was in San Diego. But now as someone who's kind of in the field, learning what it takes to, to do cutting edge science, uh, I think I have a, a much greater appreciation for how well positioned San Diego is. Yeah, well, I, San Diego, if you were to rank the cities um, nationally from a life science standpoint, is viewed as being the number three life science market, which I think is a good place to be. So, because if, you, if you're number one, you kind of feel like you've got everyone on your tail and it's almost like you've got something to lose or you're, maybe you're worried that the other markets are going to catch you. But when you're number three, there's a lot of room to grow and you're not necessarily peaking yet. So you know, my take is that there's still a lot of good things to come here in San Diego. You've also become a part of an organization here that's got a chapter here called Nucleate uh, that I'd like to have you talk about. Yeah, happy to, happy to talk about this. Um, so I think just stepping back a little bit, just to kind of provide some of the framework for why Nucleate was founded, you know, we're seeing biological solutions to a growing number of problems. So it's not just healthcare and developing new vaccines or antibiotics, but biology is now being used to, you know, address issues of sustainability and understanding, you know, how can we create an agricultural system that's, that's going to last for decades and centuries to come. We're thinking about, you know, manufacturing consumer products in more efficient ways using biology. So with that kind of expanding toolkit, scientists have to have uh, kind of a broader set of skills. But if you look within institutions, you know, academic institutions that provide graduate education, they're in many ways kind of not filling those needs. And so Nucleate really came out of that desire to learn more about 
one of those skills, which was how do you create a company? How do you commercialize your research and actually translate it and go from lab to market? And how do you do that in a way that's you know s- compatible for a grad student who's super busy with their research uh, right. and it's and, and doesn't have a lot of money and time? Like how do you create that infrastructure? So that was kind of the the motivated the motivation behind the organization. Everybody that I've talked to about this has been so supportive and has just loved the idea of what what Nucleate's doing. They've all said the same thing, or many have said the same thing, that there's been a little bit of a shortcoming when it comes to the infrastructure and mentorship and support system um, for the next generation of biotech or life science entrepreneurs to kind of find their footing and figure out how to turn an idea or a technology into a business. Yeah, I mean, we tell the students, um, you know, all the programming is free and the value of it really comes from partnering with people in industry people like yourself and people in pharma and biotech who want to give back and mentor. Uh, and so it's been really fun to engage with people in so many different parts of the, the local and national ecosystem who want to give back and, and help these students better understand where their research can take them. That's really interesting. So how does that work? So you're leading the San Diego chapter. How do you find people that want to be part of it? How does that part of it work? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I when I started grad school in fall 2019, I kind of assume that there was going to be some sort of biotech club or interest group that I can kind of tag along with and, you know, learn some of these skills, but it it was kind of lacking. Uh, And so fortunately when Nucleate came around, there was kind of this pent up demand from the grad student population. Like, okay, finally, now's the organization that, you know, I want to join this and, you know, learn more about venture capital career trajectories or, you know, I want to spin out my technology and, and network a bit to help with that. So there's just organic demand from students because yeah. they want to learn these things. And so, I mean, it is, you're getting at kind of the central challenge of, of running this organization, which is people are full-time PhD students trying to do really cutting edge science at the same time, you know, volunteer for a nonprofit organization. And so uh, we're trying to figure out systems we can put in place to make sure that the organization has legs and it can last far beyond when I graduate or, or the next person graduates. So you're a volunteer? Yeah, exactly. And how large is the San Diego chapter? We're closer to 20 now, yeah. And 20 people, is that are, is everybody a volunteer or are they all students? Everyone's a volunteer. Well, that's pretty amazing. So. You and, and the other others that are doing this, you obviously have your hands full um, studying and getting your degree, but then on top of that, you're also spending time volunteering with an organization that's supporting your peers and supporting others that are trying to do something in the life science space. Yeah, everyone's a PhD student or MBA student. It's a very, very cool thing to see. I mean, I'm sure there's some personal growth that comes with it too, but um, but it's, it's obviously a lot of effort going to a great cause. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and I think it speaks to how badly people want to learn these skills. Uh, and so they're willing to do it and take the time. And um, I mean, it's it's been the best part is working with this team of students because they're from all sorts of departments across UCSD and those institutions that I mentioned. So just from a social perspective, it's been really nice to kind of break out of the mold of, you know, being in the lab, having your head down, kind of only engaging with people in your department. Um, so it's been really refreshing in that regard. So you've got your activator program that's about to begin. Yeah, so the Activator is kind of our flagship entrepreneurship program, uh, which you joined us for last year at our, at our final pitch. Uh, and the premise of it is students with a scientific idea get paired up with uh, a business student, and they work through a six-month curriculum with industry mentors and academic mentors to refine their business pitch. Uh, and then it culminates in a, in a final pitch in front of, you know, 
about a hundred kind of local executives, venture capital folks. Uh, and so uh, we ran it for our first cycle last year uh, and it was a really great success. We had amazing science come through, really diverse people doing diagnostics, therapeutics, research tools. And so the, the strength of the program really comes from partnering with people in industry. So I will make a pitch on this podcast for folks who are, who are listening, who are part of industry and want to mentor students, whether you're an expert in regulatory affairs uh, or business development or fundraising or, you know, seed stage financing. Um, it's a great way to meet students who are doing really cutting edge science and to meet them at kind of the earliest inflection point of their research. So um, please reach out, you know, look up the Nucleate website uh, and uh, would love to kind of partner with anyone. So being familiar with other support systems for, for startup life science companies, there's usually something in it for the organization, whether they're getting equity or maybe um, you know, getting compensated in some other way. Is that the case with Nucleate as well? No, um, it's kind of been at the organization's core since its founding. That's great. Was that you know all the programming we provide is free. Uh, it's also open and accessible to anyone, no matter where you are. You don't have to be in a biotech hub. You don't have to be you know working under a professor who's spun out five companies. You, you know we feel like you should still have access to those resources. So yeah, it's it's completely free, and we don't take any equity in the companies that come through the program. It's a nonprofit, so yeah, we're focused on the trainee and focused on the education, and you know we're really proud because we now have a track record since we've run this for four years, and collectively our our teams and companies have gone on to raise you know over a hundred million dollars in in private financing and yeah even an acquisition of a company. So we feel like we're we're actually building value too. It's not just an intellectual exercise. So how many companies or teams are you accepting into the next program cohort? Yeah, so the. We're kind of currently still working that out. Uh, the application is still open and it closes October 21st. Last year we had five teams go through the program. Uh, we're anticipating closer, you know, maybe between seven and ten. And a main reason for that is we are introducing an eco track. So technology is focused on agriculture, you know, sustainable manufacturing, uh, those sorts of things. And so it's not just going to be kind of a bio-focused group, but we're going to have a more diverse set of technologies going through. And are there limitations on certain verticals or is it just anything that's related to the life science, um, kind of the life science world? Yeah, I mean, we have a couple kind of very fundamental requirements uh, concerning just kind of the stage the technology is at. So we want some preliminary data. We don't just want kind of a pie in the sky conceptual thought based on a literature search. Ideally, there's IP that's already been filed, but it's not required. And of course, kind of approval from your professor and your tech transfer office. But aside from that, we want to survey very diverse departments just because we feel like that's super exciting and, and we want to showcase you know, all the great science that San Diego has. But again, that's also a challenge because it's not a one-size-fits-all curriculum. We really try to tailor it to what are the team's needs. Um, and a gene therapy company needs something that's very, very different than a company that's trying to, you know, develop new consumer products using bacteria. So you've got a different perspective than many of the other guests I've had in the past and have asked the same question of, of everyone. And some of the guests have been, you know, people coming from two, two small, very small two-person companies and, and some of them have been leading large public companies. Uh, but in your opinion... You know, what's your take on the San Diego life science ecosystem? Yeah, I was uh, I was doing a little bit of research in anticipation of this question, but um, 
I think it's really interesting. I mean, we, you know, Nuclea as an organization operates in, in cities now across the United States. You know, obviously the major biotech hubs, Boston, Cambridge, the Bay Area and San Diego, but also places like Houston and other places that don't have kind of some of the infrastructure in place, but we still feel like they have one of the three elements, whether it's funding or whether it's scientific kind of labor or even just commercial real estate promise. And back to kind of your your ranking, San Diego is really strong in each of those categories, in the labor, in the real estate space, and in the funding. Uh, And if you go beyond the top three, cities tend to be strong in one, but then really falter in the others. And so I think San Diego has a lot of resilience because it's strong across all those categories. And then there's kind of the intangible, which I think is something that's been more of a COVID development, which is I think San Diego is just on more people's radars now. People want to be here. And I think you can't really deny that. And I think that feeds into you know the next 10 years of, of San Diego and how people think about uh, whether they're a venture firm and you know they're looking to invest here or they're someone who just got their PhD and they're thinking about, okay, where do I want to go for my first kind of industry position? And so I feel really optimistic about the future of San Diego. And I think, you know, if you just look, you know, kind of no matter what trend you look at, I think people want to be here. People want to invest in here. The science is strong here. And so it'll kind of find a way to happen. Um, so it's been very encouraging, not just as someone who, who grew up here, but also someone who is kind of invested in the future state of the local ecosystem. And so I think there's a lot of room to grow. So that's usually the last question I ask, but I've got one more for you. Where do you think you'll be in five years? Will you still be with Nucleate? Will you be uh, running your own company? Or what do you think the future looks like? You sound like my professor. <laughs> From a scientific perspective, grad school has taught me there's tremendous value in being adaptable because you get some new piece of data or some new paper comes out and you have to completely pivot your project and there's a lot of value in being able just to to do that without kind of hesitation. Uh, And for me, I kind of feel the same way about, you know, professional endeavors is that, you know, you got to be able to be adaptable. And if some interesting opportunity comes about, you know, if I can kind of put my head together with someone else from Nucleate and maybe start a company, that might happen. You know, if I could be potentially looped in to help invest in new San Diego biotech companies, that's also a possibility. I mean, the only thing that I'm certain of is I want to be close to the science because I feel like immunology provides you with a really great skill set because whether you're interested in autoimmunity or cancer uh, or allergies, I mean, you name it, um, the immune system is involved. Uh, And so understanding that vocabulary and being able to kind of you know, tinker with ideas in your head pretty freely, I think is is really fun and, and exciting. And so I feel like the field I'm in, that's one of the primary reasons I chose it. So I'm hoping to kind of stick close to that. So it goes back to your story about Obama you mentioned earlier, where you're really looking at this from a passion standpoint and not so much as a, as a way just to make money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, as I said earlier, I think biology is just becoming more and more relevant. So those things will pan out and, and kind of sort themselves out. But in, in the meantime, there's so much exciting work happening, not just in San Diego, but kind of all over the country. And I think COVID is a big catalyst for, you know, more eyes on biology and kind of the things that it could solve. So it's been even great, even from a just kind of public science, public citizen perspective, just more people having, you know, a basic understanding of how immune memory works. I mean, that's on the aggregate, probably a good thing that people are a little bit more scientifically literate. And so 
um, I think that's also beneficial because when you think about, you know, the NIH determining its budget for the next 10, 20, 30 years, you need some public support. You need some public buy-in to say, hey, you know, we should invest more in this. And that comes from first people being a little bit more knowledgeable about kind of the impact that it can have. So hopefully a few people out there that are listening, um, maybe you're in, are now have an interest in Nucleate and maybe they're someday thinking about being part of that next wave of biotech entrepreneurs. So so if they're interested, can they reach out to you directly? Yeah, exactly. You can reach out directly, check out our website. Uh, we also have you know, email, Twitter accounts, all those things available. So. All right, well, that, that'll wrap it up. Amir, thanks so much again for coming on. It's been, uh, a, real, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and um, hopefully we get to do it again soon. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Biotech and Breweries podcast. If you found this episode interesting, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app. For more information or to suggest a guest, please visit biotechandbreweries.com. <laughs>